Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Football Grad creator Manuel Veith. Manu, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, Bryce. Lots of football going on right now and uh, lots to talk about, lots of interesting things to talk about. And although we don't have Chris Williams on the show today, um, we have once again a very interesting guest and I'm really excited to hear from her today. Absolutely. I'm excited about this one. As much as we miss Chris, I think we've done pretty well recently at uh, getting a few replacements in. So this week, we've managed to get onto the podcast is Cara Head. Cara, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Cara does the English social media for Bayer Leverkusen. Thank you and welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, Cara, I suppose the first question is, what's it like working for a Bundesliga side? It's fun. It's good fun. This year has been a little crazy, obviously, with all of the changes in the football world, but generally a role that never has a dull moment. So I really enjoy that. And yeah, it's good. Yeah, I have a question, Kara, um, because we make fun of each other uh, quite a bit on social media about this. But with me being stuck on the West Coast and you obviously being stuck on the East Coast in the U.S., How do you deal with those early mornings? And I say early mornings in bunny ears because your early mornings are three hours later than mine. But I'm just curious, how do you deal with it? Yeah, it's uh, not my favorite part of the job, to be honest, <laughs> because I'm uh, I'm not a morning person at all. But just lots of coffee and usually the game is good at keeping me up. Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's definitely not my favorite part of it. No, that, that's it. I, I can't say I'm much of a morning person either, to be honest, Kara. Uh, so I'm very lucky to be over here in Europe or not in Europe. I don't really know anymore. Anyway, um, Manu, last time we spoke on the podcast, um, it was the, the day before the transfer window was shutting. Um, now it has shut. I would imagine you had a rather busy day Monday. Um, how did it go for you? Speaking of early mornings, um, my morning at that day started at 4 a.m. Because, you know, um, most people who follow me or listen to this podcast know I work full time for Transfermarkt, right? And it is one of the two busiest days that we have um, in, for our company because we, we cover a lot of deals, um, cover a lot of deals quite closely. And it was a very interesting transfer window this year um, not just from Bundesliga perspective but worldwide and I mean in some markets it's still going on get covered a big transfer in MLS this this weekend for example but um, it was interesting and I mean Cara and I had a really interesting conversation ahead of the show about how this window was so different because so many deals were just loan to buy deals right and um, of the 1700 deals that that took place on Monday just on deadline day alone Only about 30 million euros were spent. And I found that number quite interesting. And I know a lot of these deals, like Ozan Kabak, for example, joined Liverpool as a transfer that I covered very closely. is a transfer that 
could still become a big money deal because if Liverpool trigger that clause, right, then all of a sudden that deal goes from a million to 19 or 22 or 23, depending on um, whose numbers you believe. But it's still, it's very interesting. And Kara, I thought that that's that shows quite a bit of what's going on in society in general at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, it is interesting to just see how much has changed because I think the trajectory before the pandemic in football was just so much money uh, being thrown around all the time. Kind of so much that you're just like, what even is money <laughs> anymore? But yeah, it's interesting to see everything kind of come to a halt and change so drastically in such a short amount of time. Um, Manu, you had some uh, facts, uh, and well, stats, I should say, for us when it comes to the money side of things. Um, somewhat lower, as you'd expect, than, than normal. Yeah, as I just said, 30 million, around 30 million euros could be a bit more, could be a bit less, right? I mean, these are, these are numbers that are reported and, and we only really get to find out the truth in about six, seven months time when FIFA report their annual the annual transfer spending fees because they they keep that under lock and barrel, unfortunately. But you know, usually our numbers are quite close, and um, thirty million is not a lot on transfer deadline day. What I thought is interesting, and this is very very good for the Bundesliga context, right? Um, Hertha, for example, last year spent about seventy seven million euros, and this was under the crazy times under Jurgen Klinsmann. And the top three spenders this year worldwide. Um, spent less than Hertha did last year. We were the biggest spender in the in the transfer window in January um, last year. So that I thought was really interesting. One of those um, three sides that were in, or one of the sides that were in the top twenty is actually a team that you work for, Kara, uh, Aspire Leverkusen. And I know you have to be careful about what you say next and how you handle it. But I thought it was interesting how Leverkusen always seemed to do more of their business in the winter than um, in the summer, almost. To be honest, that's not really a trend that I picked up on. I guess in retrospect, <laughs> it makes sense because I feel like I've been busier in the winter months uh, recently. But yeah, that is interesting. I don't really have a solid take on it that I feel that I could share, but it's definitely needed this year to bring in some reinforcements and um, for the difficult schedule ahead. And it's nice to add some attacking power to the team because obviously they play very attacking, quick football. So I'm excited that these three can help um, with that. Yeah, well, I, I feel maybe we should talk a little bit closely about the uh, the football, I suppose, over this weekend. And I suppose no better place than to start with uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, great result. A 5-2 game is a typical great Bundesliga game, lots of goals. It was a really good answer to the disappointment in the Pokal as well because um, obviously that was so unexpected and took a couple days for me personally also to recover from it but yeah it was the right answer and a step in the right direction so I was happy with that yeah absolutely them coming out on top of a seven goal thriller 5-2 against uh, Stuttgart I mean we've said you know all season uh, Manu and I that you know uh, that Stuttgart have been you know, a bit of a surprise package in the Bundesliga and overperforming and this was obviously going to be a, a stern test for them but um, yeah brushed them aside very impressive um, and yeah even some uh, new of the signings scoring as well yeah it was great to see a debut goal um, at the end that was like the perfect finish to the match I think again I'm just happy that the week finished much better than it started yeah, Manu, I suppose, you know, when we look back, you had midweek result that your car has mentioned as well in the Pokal. Uh, you had kind of mentioned to me that you thought that Leverkusen would maybe go on and win that title. Um, do you think it's a, a bit of a, 
an opportunity lost for them. I think, feel like every time I suggest Leverkusen win a title, I get slapped in the face by one of their performances. So I'm never going to link them to any title success ever again. <laughs> I just don't think it ever works out. That relationship between me and Leverkusen is a difficult one. You know, it is it is a bit disappointing, I think, for them to go out in the, in the DFB Pokal. Um, it is definitely an opportunity missed in in so many so many ways. But I think it's also very difficult for teams this year in general to really have consistency and we see it all over all over europe right now you know squad depth is, is a big issue many many games being played back to back to back and when you have a sucker punch and i, I think back of leverkusen's sucker punch against bayern munich you know that late goal that turned um, a point into a loss they were in such a good run before that and they never really seemed to get out of that and it's it feels like it's very difficult this year to get out of a slump in general this is this is also something that we kind of chatted about before the pod right Cara? like the sense that when you are in a slump you can't really shut off this pandemic you as a player when you're in a slump you're going home you can't go out party you can't go out with your friends there is no two-week break anywhere where you can just go and hit the beaches in Doha Dubai or like somewhere in the south of Europe you are basically stuck with it. That slump is going to stay with you. Um, and it's very hard to get out of it because of, of this reality that we are in at the moment. Yeah, I think that's true um, for sure. I think there aren't good resources for getting over a disappointment. You can't go see your friends. You can't uh, go out to a restaurant, go and switch your mind off. You get in a slump and yeah, it's a bigger mountain to climb than it normally would be to get back out of it. And I think the same or the opposite is true when you're on a good run. Uh, when you're on a good run, you don't have things to pull you out of that either. You stay on top and you can just keep going until something inevitably does knock you back down. So, yeah, I think it's definitely the difficult times are more difficult. And maybe when you're on a good way, you have maybe not an easier time of it, but it's harder to knock you down from that. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Cara. Um, one that we talked about just before we came on the podcast, and uh, I said it, it. It seems so obvious now that you mention it, and you know we we almost don't realize the the human side of the game, do we? But um, yeah, look, after that result, we see uh, Leverkusen uh, sitting in fifth, um, thirty five points. They've got Mainz coming up next before the Champions League. Um, Cara, how confident are you that uh, your side are, are going to get Champions League football again this season? Well, I hope that we will. I think it's more fun, obviously, for me when uh, we are playing in these top competitions. So I really hope so. I think Mines are a side that you have to take seriously. They were able to beat Leipzig recently. So yeah, I, I go into the game with some caution, I guess. But hopefully things go well. I think they've done well so far this season and show that they would be deserving of Champions League football, so I just hope it will stay that way and maybe have another good run in the next weeks. A head shick. And now it's Demabai for a first ever hat trick. It's Damari Gray who makes his mark in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and that was one of the goals, one of the many goals that you would have uh, witnessed if you watched the game or one of the highlights for Leverkusen um, on Saturday there. But uh, let's talk about the uh, late kickoff game on Saturday. We, we had the Rhine derby between Borussia Mönchengladbach and Kuhn. 
I mean, I obviously, you know, have a, a bit of allegiance towards uh, Köln, and I really didn't think we had much of a chance uh, coming up against Gladbach, but we proved it wrong. 2-1 victors uh, on the day, which is uh, fantastic, especially in that relegation battle. Uh, Manu, would you have said that this was a, a little bit of a surprise? I certainly would. Yeah, I think it was a surprise. I think we all expected Gladbach to win that game, but... I think it's it's kind of funny how all these teams behind Bayern Munich just stumble at the most opportune moments. And the expectations were so clear that Gladbach were going to win this game, right? And get these three points and uh, as a result, jump to um, to fifth, uh, sorry, to, to sixth and um, get Dortmund into, into seventh place. And... Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because for Köln, obviously, it's it's a, that's a massive um, massive win because they're now four points clear of the relegation zone. But I mean, <laughs> I think Kara wants to say a few things about this because you had had a little bit of fun with this game in particular on social media. Yeah, well, aside from that, I just wanted to call back to when we're talking about the humanity and the the added mental tax of games now. And I do wonder if that feeling of having more to lose plays a role in these teams now and slipping up in these most opportune moments. Because I think we saw that we've seen this in the past, but it seems almost worse <laughs> this season that like every single team, when they have this opportunity, they kind of lose it. You saw it also in the Dortmund game, I think. So it is interesting to think if like that's in the back of their mind, like having this idea that there's maybe something to lose rather than something to gain. And then there's no adage with the fans, no one to push you. So you have that on top of it, which I think is mentally very taxing, especially in, in with teams that, that, that's the drive of that aspect, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of, there's the added pressure and then there's nothing to like, there's nothing behind you to keep it positive and to not let you get stuck in your thoughts, maybe. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I suppose this opportunity you know, might be a, a good thing for Borussia Dortmund and uh, Leverkusen that uh, Gladbach have slipped up uh, on, well, on this occasion. Yeah, I suppose, Manu, do, do we know whether Marco Rosa is going to stay Borussia Mönchengladbach now or is, is there any other talk of him moving? Uh, you, well, there's been plenty of talk, I suppose, but, you know, we, we, we don't seem to be any closer to knowing, do we? Uh, well, no, we don't know. I think that's that's really what I read out of Max Ebel's comments on the weekend when he said that Marco Rose is going to stay in 95%. Um, you know, that 5% of football usually means quite a lot more than it does in any other business. It's it's a difficult one, I think, because I don't think Marco Rose has made a decision in that regard yet either. And we talk often about where Gladbach are right now as a club, right? And where Borussia Dortmund are right now as a club. And I know we get to talk about Borussia Dortmund in a moment, but I do feel that the gap isn't that big right now with the where the two teams are. And we don't know where Dortmund are going to finish or Gladbach. And I think you might not get a decision from him um, for, for, for some time. What I do sense, though, is that Gladbach are looking in case Rosa does decide to leave. And, you know, you hear all sorts of names being linked to the club, whether it be um, Jesse March, Eric Ten Hag, um, those, Kofeld is another one from Werder Bremen who has been who has been named um, as a potential replacement. And that makes me think that they're looking. And that business, when other names start getting floated around, that means there's a plan B. And if there's a plan B, which most clubs should have anyways, then there's an indication that, something is afoot. 
Well, Borussia Mönchengladbach may have had a day to forget, uh, but also Borussia Dortmund did as they managed to lose 2-1 to Freiburg. Cara, th- this was another upset for Dortmund. Um, I-, I suppose if we do look at their current coaching um, scenario with Terzic, it-, it doesn't it just doesn't seem like that fit is really working at the moment. Um, do you have any idea or does anyone have any idea what, what exactly seems to be going wrong? Why the fit doesn't work? You know, I think at Dortmund, this isn't necessarily a new problem for them to be underperforming and not be challenging for a title as they want to be every season. So I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily about the, co- the coach being a good fit or not. I think it might be something else. I mean, obviously, I don't have... <laughs> Super strong opinions on that topic, but I do think that it's maybe not set up for a coach to come in and succeed there um, at the moment. Um, that would be my biggest question. Yeah, I think you could be right. It seems like the pressure there to to win something is always there, and it's uh, very quickly the coach has to, to you know, well hit the ground running. Really, Manu, uh, what about you? Do do you feel that they're going to bring in a coach a little bit quicker because of the current scenario, or do you think not really? Do you think they write the season off or do you think there's still a possibility they can go on and get Champions League football or more? Well, they have to get Champions League football. Otherwise, I think Jaden Sancho is going to leave the club next summer. I think they pretty much have realized this internally and I think they plan for this internally and I think they're quite okay with that. But um, they really, really want to hold on to Erling Haaland and um, that's been communicated to Erling Haaland as well and the Erling Haaland camp is in, is in accord with that. The problem is if you don't play Champions League football, that's very difficult to communicate or, you know, he's he's managed by Mino Raiola, someone who does have very strong opinions about his clients and gets what's, gets usually what's, what his clients want. So I think they need to finish in that top four. But I'm really curious, Cara, I want to dig a little bit deeper in what you just said. What do you think it, it is at Dortmund that makes you think that they're not necessarily set up for that success? Is there something in particular that kind of sticks out for you? No, I don't know that that's something that sticks out specifically, but I just think that the trend in the recent years has been that they bring in a coach who seemingly fits like perfectly to their squad and what they want to do. And then for whatever reason, it, it doesn't work out. And this has been the case. They've been through four or five coaches, I think, in the last five years. It does kind of seem like a revolving door situation in a way. So I just, my question would maybe be that question that you just asked me, like, what is it? Because it, I don't think that it can be that they're just not hitting their mark with who they're hiring. Yeah, Manu, so I suppose the question is, you know, if, if Rosa does come in or, or anyone else, you know, is the scenario really going to be much better? I find this question fascinating because I, Kara is quite right. You know, there, there has been a bit of a revolving door. And um, I think Chris brought this up. It's it's trying to to copy what Klopp has done at the club. And Klopp only exists once, right? And they have come up with the strategy to Klopp came Klopp played the game in a way he beat Bayern by his own terms and he did the same now with Liverpool and then there is there is I, I, I feel like there is a half-life to Klopp's the, the way Klopp manages his teams I think there is unfortunately it doesn't it does not lead necessarily it doesn't mean it works forever right no no coaches work lasts forever that's that's a big problem in this business it's very hard to have a sustained run like Ferguson did or Wenger did and um, do this for 10, 15 years. So what Streich is doing in Freiburg, it's it's under very different setups. 
So you do wonder about that. And I think maybe that one of the problems that Dortmund have is that it is a bit of a revolving door, not just for the coaches, but also for the players. If you nowadays have a, a, a player like Haaland or Sancho, you go to Dortmund, you play there for two, two, three, four years, and then you move on. And that doesn't necessarily breed success. You know, there's, I, I realize that there's really only three or four clubs around the world that can buy a player and the player might retire there, right? Um, you know, this is a scenario that many teams around the world have to fight with. But I think that's an interesting one. And I think maybe this is something where they fundamentally have to kind of question their approach, not just when it comes to the coaching, but the entire setup of the club. And that goes to to, to Zork, to Kale, you know, that goes to the players that are brought in. And um, it's an interesting one. I think they need to finish in the top four. Otherwise, this project is in big danger overall. Well, we just have to see if uh, if anyone can come in and uh, maybe change that setup and get Dortmund to where they want to be. Only time will tell. So in, in a little moment, we're going to talk about the early kickoff. That's right, early kickoff on a Friday. Well, maybe the shooting chance here. Kingsley come on. Well, the Friday night game may have only been brought forward by half an hour, but it was business as usual as Bayern Munich managed to beat Hertha Berlin 1-0. Uh, Manu, I suppose the first question is, what difference does half an hour make you know, ahead of you travelling to Qatar? Um, and second of all, explain the whole travel scenario at the moment. What exactly has gone on here? I know Cara will have laugh about all of this because she's probably far <laughs> she's probably very aware of what Deutsche Kundlichkeit is. Um yeah, let's roll this back. It's let's unpack this all, shall we? And uh, maybe Cara then can say a thing or two about what she thought about Oli Hoeneß and Romanigas comments. But um let's let's unpack this, right? So there's a 30 minute early kickoff so that Bayern Munich could catch a flight to Qatar that would get them there um, early, so essentially for Saturday morning, right? They 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 play this game in the snow in Berlin. Um, was, I think Hertha will probably rue the fact that they didn't get more out of this game. Anyhow, Bayern win it 1-0. Lewandowski misses a penalty. That never happens. Um, Matthias Cunha almost equalizes. That happens far too often. And then, you know, so it's kind of business, somewhat business as usual. Then they get to the airport, they check into the flight, everyone is checked in, the plane is ready to go at 11, uh, 11.30ish, and then they have to do a de-icing process. The de-icing process, anyone who's flown, I know for all of us, we haven't flown in uh, probably more than a year now, but you know, remember back in the days when we were allowed to fly in the winter and you had to de-ice the plane, that takes time. When they were done with de-icing the plane, it was three minutes after midnight. Now, Brandenburg, where the new airport is, that famous Berlin airport that actually did get done, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. Brandenburg has a snow fly zone after midnight. Only important flights, government flights, uh, post office flights um, are allowed to fly and flights of uh, special importance are allowed to leave the airport after midnight. So basically, um, that plane was not allowed to take off until five o'clock in the morning, at which point they then had to fly to Munich, exchange the crew because the crew at this point had to work too long. And then from Munich, they were flying, we were able to fly to Qatar. And um, that got them there slightly later. The Bayern bosses were, of course, furious, uh, made a bunch of not so nice comments about the Brandenburg government, probably some of which are actually kind of accurate, in my opinion. But 
it's a completely different story. Um, it means that Bayern have essentially missed a training session in Qatar because they, they missed that deadline for the COVID-19 tests there. But yeah, that's essentially the travel problems in a nutshell. And I, I think, Cara, that is like the definition of Deutsche Gründlichkeit, isn't it? Three minutes after midnight, no, the plane stays on the ground until the no flight zone is lifted. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I probably have a lot of interesting things I could say on this because I um, I worked in an airport for four years during college and I've been the person that's been up in the bucket, like de-icing a plane <laughs> before. And these things do take a lot of time. And I've experienced these cases many times where we've also had takeoff restrictions uh, at midnight for whatever reason. There's been many times where planes full of passengers have to come back and then you are stuck working for many hours, rebooking everyone, sending them to hotels. I think in the airline industry, this is a total normal uh, occurrence. So I did find it a bit funny or interesting that they had such a big reaction to it because as far as their game was business as normal, this is so normal in the airline industry as well. So for me, it wasn't a strange circumstance at all. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty big reaction. I love the fact that we, by chance, actually got an expert on the icing and airline industry on the show. Well done, Cara. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the unexpected. I had a lot of thoughts on the situation because of that, because of all of those work experiences. Strange coincidence. Yeah, I mean, that's quite the contrast in jobs, uh, Cara, but yeah, quite fascinating, really. Um, Manu, to, to go back to uh, Bayern, um, so who are they playing in the days uh, coming up, if anyone's unaware um, about the Club World Cup and um, at what stage do they enter the competition? Yeah, so Bayern entered the, the competition at the semi-final stage and um, they will be playing Al-Ali from, from Egypt who won the um, African version of the Champions League, right? Um, and um, in the semi-final. And we do assume, I know every game starts at 0-0 zero, zero, and, um, you know, there is like anything can happen, but we do assume that they will win that game, then move on to the final where they will meet um, either Palmeiras from Brazil or Tigres, who we know quite well, Bryce, from all the times that when we did the Mexican podcast, remember that? And Tigres are currently up 1-0. And the game is, as we record this, this is in the 77th minute, 78th minute, sorry. And Tigres are currently up 1-0. Thanks to a goal, and you will never guess this, Bryce, he's still playing, French national team player. Yeah, I've, I'm pretty sure it, it can only be one man uh, in Gignac. Uh, I, I've just seen that he scored a, a penalty. Um, it, it's amazing that he's, he's still going, really. But yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be exciting to uh, to see them uh, in the final against the Mexican side because of our two interests. Manu, uh, as you said, we used to do a Mexican uh, football podcast, so that would be uh, something else. And Gignac is 35, just for the record. Um but yeah, guys, I think that more or less uh, does it uh, for today. Uh, I think we've covered a lot, you know, down to even de-icing planes, which we weren't expecting. Um, Cara, it's it's been a joy to have you on here. Um, we'd be um, very happy to have you on uh, another time if, if you'd want to come back. Yeah, of course. It's always fun to chat with you guys and I'd be happy to come back. And yeah, if you're not following uh, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, their English um, social media account, then what have you been doing? What, what are you doing? Um, so so definitely uh, follow those. You'll, you'll see some uh, fantastic um, <laughs> fantastic tweets and everything else. Uh, once again, Cara, thanks for that. Um, thanks from uh, Manu and I and Chris. He'll hopefully be back uh, fairly soon. Um, I hope that you enjoyed the podcast and we'll be back before you know it. Auf Wiedersehen. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.